If we haven't met, my name's Josh. I'm the youth and worship pastor here at Stonebridge. Um, and we have been in a uh, series in Proverbs talking about wisdom in relationships. And so I'm going to start uh, a chunk of this uh, series where we're going to be sitting in Proverbs 10 through 30. So if you just want to go to Proverbs 10, I'll be hopping around in there, but it'll also be on the screen. Um, and this Sunday, I'm going to be focusing on the topic of words, because I don't know if you know how Proverbs works. It's just kind of a collection of sayings of things that you should probably do, right? And there's not really a narrative to it. And so we're just going to hit these thematic things uh, through 10 through 30 uh, and, and hit it from all angles. And so the angle that we're going to go at today is talking about words and speech and, and how we're to conduct ourselves. So I'm going to start with our first point here, which is to listen to discipline. And we're going to go to Proverbs 13.1. It says, A wise son responds to his father's discipline, but a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. So when I hear this, I, I think about the fact that we need to have humility in order to hear someone else's perspective before arguing or interrupting with our own. God often uses people close to us, and this example is talking about a father's discipline, but people that know us well, God often uses those people that are close to us to help influence us toward being more like Christ. So I hope that I can be that for us today, that I can point us to Scripture in a way that helps us to become more like Christ. Getting into Scripture and, and listening to how God wants us to change our behavior is the goal for today. So particularly how we speak and represent Christ through our words. So if any of this feels targeted at you, uh, please do take it personally. Um, but it's not for me. You know, I'm, I'm not coming at you. The Spirit is, though. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. So you got to listen to it. Um, and with that in mind, I do want to pray over uh, the next bit here. So God, thank you so much for this book of wisdom that we get to really dive into and and apply to our lives and relationships. And so we pray that as we focus on this topic of words and, and speech, that you would help me to have the words to speak, that they would not be my words, they would be your words, and I would just be your mouthpiece as you speak to us as a family this morning. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. So the next, I'm just going to be going through a few different Proverbs here, and we're going to talk about each one. So this one is Proverbs 18, 13. We're going to be talking about listen before you speak. Listen before you speak. So the first few here we're going to talk about, before you ever say a word, this is what you need to do in order to represent Christ well. First one is listen before you speak. Now this is not saying don't give an answer, right? It's saying do give an answer after you listen. You have to start with listening. It helps if you ask open-ended questions, right? You have to be hungry for the whole story, not just your perspective. You need to listen to the other person's perspective before you speak. I've heard it said that if you're, if you're a boss running a meeting, right, and you ask a question, and then you purposefully sit back, and you be the last one to answer. That way, you'll have learned the room instead of shutting down their opinions because they don't want to say the wrong thing, right? If you're the boss, they want to make you happy, and so... If you are quiet and you just listen to what input you have from the other people in the room, then you're able to lead your group in a better way. Another thing that we can do before we speak is we can consider silence altogether. <laughs> just not talking at all, right? 
Crazy concept. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. And I think Kate and Matt and Heather are probably the only ones that get this reference. But there's a, a show that we watch where this guy doesn't talk at all. He just sits on a park bench. And one of the main guys comes up and talks to him and just has these in-depth conversations about his feelings and stuff. And the other guy just sits there and he doesn't say a thing. He's just having this counseling session with a guy that doesn't talk at all. Right? That person is considered wise. So we can consider starting with silence. Because when you're silent, you can actually hear the other person speak. I don't know if you know this. When you're talking, it makes it almost impossible to actually hear the person that's across from you. So I, I need one volunteer, preferably a dude. I need one person. No, not Riley. Let's see. Hold on. One of these guys over here that's going to go to Adventureland with us. You've got to earn your keep. Yeah, come on up, Colin. That's great. Hey. Yeah, you've got to do it now. It's, it'll be quick and painless, I promise. Maybe. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to count up. Step back, man. Jeez. All right. You're going to count up as far as you can, okay? And then I'm going to, while you're counting, say something, and you're going to try to tell me what I said, okay? Does that make sense? All you have to do is count, man. It's, it, just, just count. Do you know how to count to like 100? Yes, good. All right, let's start with one, and then go up. All right, go ahead. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. All right, what did I just say? Honestly, I was trying to get to 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's try this again. You're not going to count this time, okay? Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What did I just say? Hey, he crushed it. All right, see? Thank you. Good job. So... You have to stop talking if you're going to listen, right? The other passage, if you, if you couldn't hear me over his counting, was trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. A lot of people know that verse, but he couldn't hear it because he was talking. So when you're silent, you can hear the other person speak and you can hear their perspective, right? And this is also true when we're studying Scripture. When we're silent in studying Scripture, we can actually hear the Spirit speak. When we're silent, we don't let our bias or perspective color what's actually written in context, right? We look at the Bible for what it is, for who it was written to, in what time, right? And we see it in that context, not our own, because we need to apply what was there. And then we let the words on the page change us. When we saturate ourselves in the word and we have the diligence to actually listen, the spirit affects our heart and makes it easier for us to speak his words instead of ours. Luke 6, 45 says this. It says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So we've heard that said before, like we, we speak out of the overflow of our heart. That, that's a saying. This is what it comes from. So Luke 6.45 says that. It says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So whatever we ingest is what 
comes out. So when we are silent, it allows us to hear from his word. It allows him to affect us in a way that changes us on a foundational level. And then we can speak from there. All right, so now we're getting into actually speaking, right? So you're going to think before you speak. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The mind of the righteous person thinks about or thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blitz, or blurts out evil things, right? So think before you speak. All I have to do is say the word social media, and you guys know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to go down the list here. So let's talk about Facebook for a second. So Facebook is made for people to have open conversation, right? And so you get into your comment section and you say what you want to say and then you hit enter and you walk away. And maybe you'll get a notification, right, and you can come back to it. But ultimately, you're not sitting face-to-face -face with that person. So you can say whatever you want, you hit enter and you go on with your day. Or hit enter and delete the app altogether, right? You can, you can go through a whole conversation without having any interaction with the people that you are sending that to. Twitter's even worse. Twitter is created to be truncated. It's, you can only use a certain amount of words. So it's created in a way that makes it so that you can't hear the context. You have to dumb it all down to one word. Well, it's no wonder people take things the wrong way. It's no wonder people get destroyed in the comment section of Twitter because they don't put the full context right there. We need to think before we speak. Now, I'm not saying you don't use any of these things. You should, and we should be careful about how we use these. But let's, let's, let's keep moving on, though. Cable and 24-7 news channels. You're talking about CNN. We're talking about Fox News. All these things, they are made to make money. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> they have commercials for a reason. So the reason that they have people arguing on there is because it sells. People feed on the chaos, and then they have to watch the commercials to find out what happens next, right? That's all it is. They're just making money. And a lot of times on, on these news networks, they'll have something controversial happen, and they'll go to live TV, and they'll have two people of, of opposing views talk about it, right? Fair and balanced. It's great. But they're screaming at each other. They're angry. And we wonder why that affects our hearts in a way that we end up feeling angry and upset and having to talk about these controversial things all the time instead of sharing Jesus with somebody. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm already getting worked up just thinking about some of these conversations, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, Dave knows. <laughs> so they're created for that. ESPN's the same way. A lot of, the guys, a lot of times they'll, they'll talk about, okay, Tom Brady, he's best quarterback ever. And so they'll have one guy talk about that, he's the greatest quarterback ever, and one guy that also agrees with that, but for the sake of the bit, he's going to disagree. <laughs> and they're going to go back and forth on it. No, he, he needs to prove himself more. He needs to have more rings than Belichick or whatever. Like, he doesn't actually think that. Again, they're just trying to make money <laughs> because it sells. When, when you want to find out what Skip Bayless's opinion is on a guy, you go and watch ESPN. You go to the YouTube channel. You go to the, it sells. And it's even worse sometimes in, in the Christian community, though, because a lot of times you go to YouTube and you hear a Christian critic go and find one thing 
that a pastor said 20 years ago. They take that one thing that they probably even took out of context, and they tell everyone, don't listen to anything else that that guy has to say. Should we use discernment? Absolutely. We should use discernment. But what are we reading from today? We're reading from Proverbs, right? Who wrote Proverbs? A guy that had hundreds of wives and worshipped their gods. So we should just throw out Proverbs, right? No. God inspired the things that were on that page. And if people are teaching from Scripture, we need to listen to other people's perspectives. Even if they've screwed up, we're all human. And you go out of the Christian community, and it, it, it's a lot of the same. You go into cancel culture. You see people's tweets from years back that ruin their lives in the present because they haven't scrubbed their, their Twitter from 10 years ago when the standards were different. Does anybody know the name Carson King? Anybody? So he's a, he was a college student. He was at college game day at Iowa State, and he put this sign up. It says, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenished. Venmo. This is his Venmo. I don't know if it still works or not. Um, he got inundated with all these funds, and he didn't know what to do with it because he felt guilty. He's like, I just wanted beer money, and he ended up with like millions of dollars. So he's like, okay, um, I live in Iowa. What's the best thing I can give this to? So he pointed it towards the Children's Hospital in, in Iowa City, the U of I, uh, I think it's Sneed uh, Children's Hospital. And they pointed it towards that. And so he kept raising money. He raised over $3 million for this hospital based on this thing that he said. And in the process, he, he got national recognition. And so somebody from the Des Moines Register started looking through his tweets. And they saw that back when he was 16 years old, granted he's obviously in college now, um, he had said he had posted a racist tweet. He did. And he owned that. He apologized for it. That didn't keep Bush Light and other sponsors from pulling their sponsorship. So the money that had been going to that children's hospital now is not going to that children's hospital because of something that he said back when he was 16. But on top of that, the Des Moines Register guy that posted his tweet, they started looking into him. And turns out he had about five times more racist tweets in his past. So he lost his job at the Des Moines Register. <laughs> My point here is that once it's on the internet, guys, it's there forever. Even if you go back 15 years and you scrub absolutely everything, you delete your accounts, people can take screenshots. If you put it out on the internet, it is there. You can make the assumption that it still exists in some way, shape, or form. And just because you say something that's true doesn't mean that it's beneficial. So here's a few tips for using social media because I feel like in the past we've kind of towed around it and said, like, eh, maybe you should delete your accounts. Nobody's going to. So let's just be realistic. Let's figure out how, as a family, we're going to represent Christ, right? So a few tips. When you're writing a post, delete your post and then write it again. If it was worth posting, expletives and all, it'll come back to you, right? Or you can type it up somewhere else before copying and pasting it into that text or email, too. One that I've heard is that if you're writing an email, don't fill the two line until you have thoroughly vetted what you have in the body of the email. And then you can add the two when you feel comfortable with it. Because otherwise you might accidentally send it, right? <laughs> and you're just venting frustration that you don't actually want to say or feel towards that person. 
at the very least, reread it or have someone else give input before you post or send. So all these things, Facebook, Twitter, cable 24-7 news channels, ESPN, Christian critics, cancel culture, all these things are set up to have people become more entrenched in their beliefs and avoid relationships and conversation about the things in a healthy way. How much of this would you say if you were actually physically sitting across the table from somebody having a cup of coffee? If you can't say that you would hit send on that to the person sitting across the table from you, then don't. I'm being blunt because we need to hear it. <laughs> so all these things are set up to, for people to become more entrenched in their, their beliefs and, and to feed into that tribalism, right? Mark Vance has a great sermon that you should go listen to when we're done here. Um, so Mark Vance is the lead pastor over at Cornerstone in Ames, and he talks about tribalism. If you go look that up, he explains it way more than I can. But we get so entrenched in our beliefs that you either believe this, this side of the argument and you're destroyed by this side, or you believe in this side of the argument and you're destroyed by that side. There is no middle ground, and you are destroyed no matter what. <laughs> so how do we combat that? You speak truth in relationships, not passive-aggressively from behind your keyboard or screaming out into the open air for whoever is there to hear it, having no regard for human life, right? Because again, just because you say something that's true doesn't mean that it's going to be helpful to people. If you were in relationship with that person, would you say it? I don't know if we would. So speak truth in relationships. That's our next point here. Proverbs 18, 21, just the first half because the second half kind of helps it. It doesn't help. It makes it more confusing. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. Just keep that in your mind. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our words are extremely potent, and it's a double-edged sword. We can do some things with it, and there's some things that we can't do with it. So let's talk about the things that we can do with our words. What words can do. Our words have the power to build someone up to their fullest potential or to tear them down to the studs. This is especially true in your family, the people who are most intimate and unfiltered with you and you with them. Our words are especially potent with our families. Married folks, we have the power to make our spouse's day or to wreck it with one phrase. And don't take for granted the platform that you have when speaking to your spouse. You have the best opportunity of anybody to speak life into your spouse and build them up. And only you can decide to do that. No one's going to make you do that. But you get to choose whether you build up your spouse or you tear them down. Also, the way that we speak to our children is how they speak to themselves. I don't know if you knew this. Our words determine their inner voice. So when they speak to themselves and they tell themselves who they are, they hear our voices. Let that scare you. <laughs> you, you need to speak life into your children. When your children are asked to recall your voice, what do they hear? Do they hear irritation or infatuation? Do they look in your face and they see a, a, a mommy or a daddy that loves them and is crazy about them and just wants to see them succeed? Or do they see, and I'm speaking to myself here, so don't think that I've got this figured out. Or do they see a daddy who is very annoyed with them and can't handle their emotions at that moment? 
or any moment. It matters. And especially with our kids, we don't even have to say a word. And our spouses, we don't have to say a word. Body language is everything. You have to have the right attitude towards your family in order to communicate love instead of harm. And it is harm. And that's what words can do. Here's what words can't do. They can't erase what you've said. You can't say something and then erase it with more words, right? No, once it's out, it's out. So your iPhone is about to get an update. It's called iOS 16. And in iOS 16, the iMessage app finally has the ability to delete text messages. Oh, thank goodness. I, I, I never have needed that, you know, yeah, it, it would be nice to delete that. But if somebody doesn't have iOS 16, guess what? It's still there. And if they do have iOS 16, they can screenshot it. And then it's still there. And even if you delete it, it doesn't matter because you've already said it. If they've read it, it's out there. So I have an example. I'm going to have one more volunteer come up. Anybody? Sweet. Awesome. Brian, come on up. <laughs> Okay, so I got a tube of toothpaste here. You know how to write your name in cursive? Yes. Okay, so write it right on this music stand here. As, as sloppy and messy as you want, nice and big. I already tested it out in the back. I know that I can clean these off and it's not going to be there forever. What's that? Beautiful. Awesome. Okay, now put it back in the tube. Why not? I could try, like, you know, clean it off. No, I mean, just like kind of squeeze it back in. Can you just like reverse squeeze it? I can try. Try it. Let's see. No, I'm kidding. You can go sit down. <laughs> Obviously, we can't. We can't put it back in the tube. Once it's out there, this is something you said, and this is your signature, right? So they can, they can see this. <laughs> Everyone can see this, that this is what you said, right? Especially if it's in relationships with people. That feeling has been had. You can't make them unfeel something that you have said to make them hurt. Once it's out of the toothpaste tube, you can't put it back in. And the other thing that words can't do, here, I'll, put, I'll turn this around so we're not distracted. There we go. It was beautiful, Brian. You did great. They can't fulfill promises. So words can only go so far. Eventually, your actions have to back up your words, right? Sorries only go so far. You have to actually change the behavior in order for those sorries to matter and for them to hold any weight. Eventually, say sorry enough times, they just stop listening. And promises are only good if you fulfill them with action. The only person who has ever truly backed up everything that they ever said with action was Jesus. So let's, let's look at how Jesus did this. How did Jesus use words? When the Jewish officials asked him pointed questions, Jesus often stayed quiet. Or he often said things without saying things and, and did things where he said only as much as he absolutely had to. Jesus was often most blunt with those that were closest to him. Right? His 12 disciples, but even more specifically, his inner three, Peter, James, and John. 
And we're going to look at Peter here for a second. So in Matthew 16, Jesus addressed Peter bluntly in love. From then, or from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised to the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, Jesus, right? Rebuking Jesus. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. So how did Jesus respond to that? He says, Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Ouch, right? (laughs) To have Jesus call you Satan. Obviously, he's saying this because he knows how important it is that he goes and dies on the cross, right? He wants to stress the importance of what he's about to do. That he's willing to call his best friend Satan because he is making, he's trying to make him question whether or not this is necessary. Obviously, Jesus can't be wavered from what he's going to do. But he looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Obviously, Jesus knows Peter's heart, right? But he needed to speak that into him so that he could understand better. That this is vitally important. What he's about to do is so important. He was so harsh because he wanted Peter to understand the importance of what was about to happen. Then later, when Jesus was being arrested, and Peter jumped the gun, right? Remember this? He, he cut off the guard's ear. Jesus didn't speak out against this horde of guards that had came to arrest him. He restored the man's ear and then let them take him away. But probably the best example of Jesus representing his humility and restraint was on the cross and leading up to it, right? So let's, let's look through that for a second. A lot of times when we're hurt and attacked by someone's words or actions, we feel like it's our right to fire back, to stand up for ourselves and deal the same hurt that they gave to us to make it even. It's only fair. They had it coming. I wasn't just going to sit there and let them talk to me like that. You ever thought those things, said those things? Sometimes that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Sometimes you're supposed to sit there and take it like Jesus did and not retaliate. And that's hard. I'm going to be real with you. That's hard to do sometimes, but we're called to it. Jesus had every right while they were hauling him out of his sacred prayer garden that he ran to often to be with his father to say, no, you have no right. He had every right while they were whipping his back, his bare back with a cat of nine tails to say, enough, I am who I say I am. You're wrong. He had every right as they were nailing him to the cross and casting lots for his clothes to call an army of angels to come and destroy everyone and say, it's not worth it. They're not worth this much pain. But he didn't. He said to God the Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He chose to have compassion on the very people that were killing him in the slowest, most agonizing way possible 
that had been invented at that time. While he wore your sin and my sin and every sin that has ever been and ever will be, for what? For us to spend eternity with him, yes. Because he loved us, yes. Because it was for his glory, yes. But also, it was because that's who he is. That's his character. You see, belief fully grown leads to words. And words, when we do the right thing, they can lead to action. And action fully grown leads to character. So if we truly believe that God is who he says he is, we should start talking like him. And the more we talk like him, by his spirit, the more we'll act like him. And the more we act like him, by the grace of Jesus, our character will be conformed slowly, sometimes painfully, into his likeness. Following Jesus is not easy. Loving the people around us well isn't easy. But we should want to do the things that Jesus did, the way Jesus did them. Amen? And that can start today by choosing to speak the way that he chose to speak. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. We need it every single day in our relationships. We need restraint. We need to choose silence sometimes. We need to every time be quick to listen and slow to speak. There's a reason you put this all over your word. It's important. The things we say matter. So Jesus, help take our bias from us. Help take those strong feelings that we have where we need to say something, and only allow those things to come out of our mouth if they're your words. Because if there's anything coming out of our mouth that is just from us, that's our flesh, and it's sin, and it's not going to benefit anyone. We want your words. Take our words out of our mouth and speak through us. Let your spirit speak instead of our own. pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You guys can stand and we'll worship together.